the frames. Music, movies, culture, and faith. Featuring your hosts, John Gibson and Joel Flores. Hey, welcome to Between the Frames with John and Joel. Excited to be with you today for this episode as we jump in and talk about music, movies, culture, and faith. This is a podcast about all those things as we seek to find the deeper meaning within them. What's going on, Joel? Hey, John. I'm excited about today's show. Uh, I, I wanted to make sure that I definitely did not come in too hungry when we were doing this because, you know, I mean, <laughs> oh my a gosh. little bit of a little, little, little alluding there, I guess. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In fact, uh, watching, yeah, watching this movie, um, a warning to everybody that either you need to find a, a good place to get some barbecue or, or Cuban sandwiches or something um, before you watch it and then you can just go out afterwards and, and eat eat to your heart's delight, right? Or, or have the 4D experience and just, you know, order it order oh, it ahead man. of time. So I'd have to try um, that. Did you, did you have, <laughs> that would be good, right? It could be a fun game. Did you, did you actually see Chef for the first time? Did you see it on video or did you actually get to see it in the theater? No, I saw it on video. I didn't see it in the theater. How about you? Um, I feel like it's one of those that if we were all together, the four of us would have gone to see this in the theater um, and had the same experience. So we, so we saw it up here. And what's what's even more, um, so what's more tragic about it is when we saw it here in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Charlotte and I and the select few in the theater were all, you know, uh, moaning and drooling through the whole movie. <laughs> but the problem is there was nowhere to satisfy the either Cuban, Mexican barbecue, well, I guess maybe, bar- not even. There wasn't really a place to go to after and say, okay, I got to go eat that. Any right. one of those. Oh, my gosh. So it was torture. Yeah. Whereas I, yeah. think, I think back in Georgia, I could have gone around the corner, right? So Right, right. Yeah, or if we were back in Connecticut, too, I'm sure we would have found <laughs> a place there. So. <laughs> So, yeah, so, so um, the film, yeah, the film that we're we're talking about today is is a film called Chef um, with John Favreau, John Leguizamo, Dustin Hoffman, Scarlett Johansson, Sofia Vergara, and Robert Downey Jr. I I realized when I started looking at the cast list that there's like all these Marvel people in this movie too between <laughs> between Scarlett Johansson and John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. Um, you've you've got a a big a big cast of marvel people and then you add add these others it's like you know heavy hitters big, so. big time and I, and I, and obviously because john favreau really got to kick off the marvel universe with with iron man right and mm-hmm. uh directing those films and obviously being in those and uh so i love the chance that they get to take and do more of a stripped down budget um kind of real life story and i'm sure all those guys jumped on board because of that and then you have you know um, John Linguizamo is one of those guys who is a just a great actor and mm-hmm. a really good comedic actor and I often feel like he doesn't get enough uh, he doesn't get enough opportunities he's in a pretty cool movie that uh, went direct to Netflix I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head so forgive me but it has to do with uh, it's a true life story of a teacher in the inner city who takes a group of kids that uh, they play chess and they compete in chess tournaments and okay. uh, came out recently. It's it's really, really good. Um, I'll, I'll look it up while we're talking. But Is it uh, called anyway, Hypno? Just, is, it's not Hypno, is it? 
No, no, I don't. Or I don't pow- think the so. Power. Okay, I'm just looking on my. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, I'll, I'll find it. Anyway, yeah, see, he's great I, stuff. That's funny that you because the the I think about him in Ice Age as Sid. That's it's like one of the okay. first things that I think of <laughs> when I think about John Leguizamo. But um, well, yes, yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to jump into this. Yeah, so um, if if you haven't seen the movie, uh, John Favreau plays Carl Casper, who is a chef who feels kind of stuck uh, in his in his work. He's working for somebody else. Uh, he's actually working for Riva, who is played by Dustin Hoffman, and um, it's one of the top restaurants in town. And a uh, food critic comes to review the restaurant. They. Uh, Riva and Carl have a difference of opinion over the menu because um, Carl wants to kind of branch out a little bit and say, hey, what, what kind of special things can we put on the menu? And Riva said, hey, let's just play the hits. You know, if you go see the, I think the example he used was if you go see the Rolling Stones, like you expect to, to have them play Satisfaction. So if people are coming to your restaurant, like, play your hit list and uh carl doesn't want that so ends up getting into this uh, argument and um and uh he he receives a, a bad review too that um ramsey ramsey michelle who's played by oliver platt another great actor who's in, on this cast list um they kind of go back and forth on twitter which is kind of uh it's it's uh, humorous in its own way because you figure that any of us in our 40s or older can struggle with figuring out technology sometimes. And uh, he has a prime example of that with uh, with what happens there. So and it just continues on till he finally kind of has a it's almost an existential moment where he uh, he decides that he's going to start a, a food truck and start doing making Cuban sandwiches and some other food in that that uh, that that food truck it ends up bringing him and his son together it brings him and his ex-wife back together again and he feels like he's living on purpose so that's kind of the the film in a nutshell um, but um, yeah I mean what were some of the things Joel that that stuck out to you in in this film well there's a lot of themes i mean firstly i think it being um i think i'll just i'll kind of list them and we can kind of dive into different things but i think uh as creative people being someone who creates and Mm -hmm. who you can definitely understand appreciating what you know um as a longtime artist, like the comparison that the chef uses, you know, the Rolling Stones or whatever it might be, you can you can understand that the, you, you show an appreciation for the hits that made you who you are, the stuff that, you know, that made you. But at the same time, if you're truly a creator and creative, you need to keep you need to keep moving forward. Like it's it's really hard to settle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not everybody's that way, but I'm wired that way. And uh, I'm sure probably you are as well, where, you know. I don't want everything you want. I was just talking with somebody the other day that we want consistency. We want a routine, but I don't want it to be routine. 
Yes. Oh, that's, you know what that's I mean? a great like way we, of saying it. Yep. We want a routine, but I don't want it to be routine. So so there's that. And if and if I feel like I'm boxed in on that, I really get uncomfortable with it. So there's the creative aspect. The other aspect is, uh, I, I think, the food telling a story itself. Um, mm-hmm. How he digs into the simplicity but the richness of a, of a type of food that is regional, um, that not many people have maybe even experienced, and to others, a lot of them have. And so... Uh, he goes back to his simplicity, and I, I love that it focuses on Latin American food, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, just the story that that tells. I love the, the themes of friendship in this, mm-hmm. um, you know, loyalty and friendship. And then, of course, um, the, the relationship between he and his son is such a powerful uh, part of the story. And really how... He's, he, you know, Carl is so built on or bent on this goal, needing to fulfill this this hole within his heart and make it happen. And at, at the to- same time, what's happening is he's building this relationship with his son. He doesn't realize it at first. And then, mm-hmm. of course, that becomes actually that's that was the most important part of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And so. And, and how his son helped him, really, if it wasn't for his son, you know, we'll, we'll dive into that, that, you know. Would everybody have known what was going on, right? And so right, uh, right. just there's some of those, uh, a number of those things I think are important themes in life. I think uh, they're practical, but they also, you know, we can dive a little deeper into them too as it relates to kind of our faith as well. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, let's, I mean, talk about the creativity thing. I think what what you said too, I, the, the thing that struck me is I think there's a tension for any of us creative types of, who, who are we making something for? You know, are we doing it for ourselves or are we doing it for somebody else? In, in Carl Casper's case, you know, John Favreau's character, for him, it was food. His creativity came through food and he felt like his creativity was stifled by doing it for somebody else because somebody else was instructing him. And, um, I, you know, the way... I have a friend who owns his own business here, and one of the things that he and I have talked about is whose dream are you pursu- are you pursuing? Um, are you pursuing your own dream, or are you working for somebody else's dream? And you get that feeling with Carl in this film that he's really he's been settling for, and he's been almost abandoning his creativity because he's working for somebody else's dream rather than his own dream. And, um, and I, you know, I, that's kind of the beautiful thing about like the current music industry, I think, and even films like how art has evolved is within, with indie films, with indie music, it allows artists who may not have otherwise taken off, um, to, to really take off because they can make the music that they want to make without this big production, without, you know, this big uh, record label or, or movie company behind them. And I, I think it adds to a, a whole new, I wouldn't say genre, but it, it adds to a, a whole, a wider spectrum of, of art because people don't feel as confined in their creativity. That's true. So, so the cha- the fl- there's two sides of that coin. So, one is there's more availability. There's more opportunity for the the artist or the creator to directly reach people 
to, to mm-hmm. reach them well, connect with them one-on-one, reach an audience through various streaming services and mediums, right? It, it is. It's a, it's a great time for, for those things. The, the other side of that coin is it's a lot harder for them to earn a living <laughs> right, from right. said art, right? So I feel for... Um, I feel for the modern artist or creator these days as well, because, um, you know, bands and artists who've been around a long time, the old saying is, you know, live is where you live. If you can Mm -hmm. perform live, you know, that's really actually, that's, that's where you, you, you make a living. And that's why huge bands, they, they don't need to be on the radio other than their stuff. They can create if they want to. And, you know, they're going to they're going to pack out an arena or whatever it might be. That's really hard for an upcoming artist or group who might be just as talented, um, but they don't get the same light of day or the promotion or the opportunity. They got to really work the circuits. Now, that's also a good thing. I mean, I, I think you should have to work for it rather than it be this instantaneous thing. But how hard is it to work those clubs? I've felt for people in that arena this last year and a half. I think we've talked about it with just not being able to be face to face. Right. You know what I mean? And, yep. and have audiences. But then again, there's been a lot of online streaming. You talked about that. You talked oh, about, sure. you know, watching concerts together or going to a drive-in and watching it or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. it's yeah. a little both end, but I think that you're right. There is more freedom to be creative and to actually get it out there, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because watching interviews uh, that Favreau did about this movie, he even talked about, you know, Favreau was famous for having written and starred in Swingers, right? And um, that was the big breakout movie for him and Vince Vaughn. And then, yeah, we mentioned before that he was kind of the guy who who kicked off the Marvel Cinematic Universe with, with Iron Man. And um, and the success of that went on to star as you know he started as happy in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe too, but when you get into these huge budgets like that, I, I think what Favreau really wanted to do was to strip that away, and in stripping some of that away, it gave him some of the creative control that that he was longing for kind of hearkening back to to your beginning so um and i again i talking continuing that music theme i don't know about you but there are certain times that if you follow an artist for a certain period of time you see them in their in their early beginnings and then they just get clouded by production and all kinds of other things you start wondering hey did you did you lose something along the way and then all of a sudden they release an album that's almost a stripped down version of of what they had become um i i maybe i may get you know, criticism or laughs, but like Taylor Swift over the the pandemic released these two albums, Folklore and Evermore. And I, I've been listening to them a ton because I'm like, wow, this is really good stuff. And it's kind of a stripped down version of what she had become in, you know, doing stadium tours and all this other stuff. So you think about, yeah, what you're allowed to do when you strip away some of that extra stuff that puts a whole lot of requirements on you. And I think that's what happens with this film is that because Favreau had the, the ability to make creative, to take creative control with it, it, it just, 
it feels it feels organic and fresh and um not forced. I, I don't know if that there's a better way to well, say it. Feels it, like a, it feels like a real life story, and that's what right. connects, you know, yep. from the relationships. Even even um, Sofia Vergara, who's you know everybody knows her from Modern Family, mm-hmm. and her accent is not as over the top as it is in that. Obviously, <laughs> she actually she she says that she's mimicking an aunt of hers, uh, and oh, aunt, so I think that's kind of funny. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can totally relate to that. But anyway. You know, she plays a really great character and, and a pivotal one in that um, I think their relationship shows something a little bit more real. Like even though they're they're separated, they're not totally estranged. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there is a, a relationship there of of kind of encouraging one another for and and being there for their son. And um, she's the one who actually propels him. Listen, leave leave this environment. You don't need that. Go live the dream. Like go do it go make right. it happen and, right. and and encourages him to get the food truck and that's where the Robert Downey Jr. C- uh, character comes in as the the, the other hu- the husband and you mm-hmm. know uh, putting the money into it and you know it just shows that people can step up people mm-hmm. can step up that are in your life so relationships are key who you know in your relationships are key you know I, I think it's important to talk about not burning bridges with people yeah. That's an important thing because you never know who's gonna, oh, absolutely. who's gonna step in, right? And yep. so, uh, and, and then you know Martin, who was his sous chef, um, played by John Leguizamo. By the way, the movie is Critical Thinking. If you want to see a good movie on Netflix, Critical Thinking oh, with John okay. Leguizamo. It's the, mm-hmm. the movie about the chess students. Anyway, he he has an opportunity to step up and be the chef. Like yeah. you know, uh, I think isn't Joe Pantel, uh, what's his name, uh, the other sous chef. Um, yeah, I can't remember his more, name. The, the, Ita- the Italian guy. I, right. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Anyway, Bobby Cannavale, Tony. Yeah. Bo- Bo- that's it, Bobby. So he, um, you know, they have the opportunity to step up. And um, John Leguizamo's character, Martin, shows his loyalty. He's like, nah, it, I don't, you know what? I, I don't want to be here just for the money. I want to also, I want to create, I want to learn from someone great who has passion. And sometimes that's a risk we take. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? I mean, you and I could talk about that, that we're part of something established. We're a part of something that's firm and moving somewhere. Yeah. And we've been like, you know what? This is comfortable. I can do some great stuff here. I think God can use my life in it. But then all of a sudden there's this hunger, this yearning of, you know, I've got to create something fresh. Or I've got to be a part of something that's emerging. There's that deep yearning deep down but then when you're in the middle of it you're like i should have just stayed with what was happening (laughs) what was happening so there comes the freedom there comes the freedom in it but then there comes the the pain and the struggle too right so yeah that's called being a pioneer and carl (laughs) is a pioneer yeah yeah and yeah and john john was like i'm gonna jump on board every pioneer needs needs a group of people around them to help to help push it forward. Right? I mean, we could talk about that for hours, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I yeah. love that. That right down to fixing the trucks. He brings his son in, scrub it down, clean it all out and, uh, starts teaching him responsibility and starts investing in him. And I think John, we could talk about, there's a good model of discipleship happening there. Oh my gosh. That's, that's a great point. Absolutely. Well, because I, it's funny cause I just not too long ago did some training for, for people in, um, in my area in terms of discipleship and and the fact that I think sometimes in churches we we think that that discipleship is all about teaching people like information it's like passing on yeah, information it, it's a class <laughs> right rather than yeah what we see happen here with 
with Carl and his son is that they, his son Percy, he invites him to come be part of it. And, and he's, he scrubs and he has to you know, deal with the nasty stuff in this old abandoned food truck. And in that process, he owns it because uh, like the disappointment on the kid later on when he finds out, hey, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be doing this anymore once school starts. I mean, what's happened in that process by Carl inviting his kid in is that that now he owns it and he feels like he's a part of something bigger than himself. And ultimately, isn't that what discipleship's all about? It's It should be about us saying, hey, we want to invite you to be part of something that's bigger than yourself. It's really good. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about if I say... If I say wax on, wax off, immediately, <laughs> everybody thinks of, you know, Mr. Miyagi and Danielson. And what's interesting is, you know, Karate Kid's always been one of my favorite films. Mm-hmm. And the, now that Cobra Kai is so, you know, it's a great show. And it's so kind of expanded the the story and the character arcs and all that kind of stuff. And you truly see how Daniel has continued to become... Mm-hmm. more like Miyagi and and anyway it's that whole discipleship how did he train him well he yeah. had to learn the hard stuff right. you know what i mean uh yeah. he had to learn how to do do things that were not what he was expecting he had to learn to to lose or to have setbacks and all that kind of stuff right and and i mm-hmm. think that those stories always connect with people for generations you know speaking of John Favreau the first time i ever saw him it's funny how um I saw him in like Swingers, one of those movies later, and I thought, huh. I go, that's the guy who was the the Catholic school uh, um, friend of Rudy in in the oh, film. Oh wow, Rudy. that's crazy. That huh. yeah, and he was he was the guy who who kind of always had the uh, not not a really bad potty mouth, but he always used to let it slip. And they're like, we're in the Catholic school, you know what I mean? And uh, but he was the one who was his friend. Uh-huh. And he cheered him on and he was the one who was like, you can, you can do this. And I just thought that was one of his first, like, I think more major, uh, assisting roles. Right. And then it okay. kept leading down a path. And so it's funny for me, it was one of those like obscure, not that that movie's obscure, but that the role is right. Like oh, it, right. it would fly over your head. So, yeah. um, yeah. yeah, I just think, you know, and he's done such great work. So this movie connects with people on a number of levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the relationships in it are important. Um, in a few minutes, we got to talk about the food. We got to talk about that. Yeah. But I think that people in your corner, John, I think mm-hmm. we, we need to really emphasize the fact that who you put around you, who you surround yourself with is so important oh to gosh, yes. um, becoming who you're called to be or oh. who, who you envision being. It doesn't mean that everybody's a yes man. You actually need people who are going to challenge you. You need yep. people who are going to um, admonish, but, but those are the people that also encourage you that are in your corner, no matter what, that are mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, they're, they're the Mickey to Rocky. They're going to pick you up when, when you got to keep pushing forward. Right. So yep. the thing is, is those key people, if he was doing this himself, you know, would it have been as successful right. if he was doing it with a group of right. strangers? Yeah. Would it yeah. have been as successful as it was? Right. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that too, because I, you know, the, the church that, that a bunch of, that I think you and Charlotte and Carrie and I connect back to from, 
from back in Connecticut, I always say about the pastor there that um, I don't, I, I don't, I mean, I love him. He's a great guy. I don't think that um, he's any, you know, larger than life personality, but he has the, the ability to be able to surround himself with incredible people. And I think that's why we talk about success. That's why I think he can be successful. And I think our success can be so dependent upon those people that we surround ourselves with. And it's, it's so troubling to me. I mean, both of us work in the church too. And I see this over and over and over again. And it just pains me every time that you get these people in positions and they're afraid, like they're afraid to let somebody else get the spotlight. And so they just surround themselves with yes, men and yes, women. And then like what they put out, what they do actually sucks because, because, um, it, it's all kind of just fodder for them to, to do something that they think is great. And because they surround themselves with people who not will challenge them, but will just say, Oh yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Like, yeah, they, they put mediocre stuff out. So I think that comes from a place of insecurity and where we meet Carl in the story is when he starts to doubt himself and question himself and his abilities, we see him wrestling with his insecurities. And you put a great line in here about, you know, he's looking at the skeleton show when they're on their, their road tour and they're taking the food truck around. They see mm-hmm. this skeleton puppet show and the Al Green songs playing in the background. And he's kind of kind of looking at it. And what he's seeing is himself kind of stripped down. Right. And, you know, is this who I'm meant to be? Is this even worth it? Am I a total failure? I don't know about you, but have you ever wrestled with those questions? I think (laughs) any of our listeners probably have several times. And if you're building anything, if you're entrepreneurial, if you're creative, if you're, if you're planting something new, if you're, uh, you know, even if you're in the middle of an established business or a company and it's your first time, maybe, maybe you always wanted to be a teacher and now you're in the classroom and you feel like, you know, man, I'm just a failure. We may even connecting, you know? And so we all go through these things, uh, but for him, he was tired and he was beaten and it takes a lot of work. And he's at this point in his career where he's like, why am I starting from the bottom again mm-hmm. to, to, to do this? Right. And I think really what it's about is it needed to get back to, there, there's a saying that I learned from mentors of mine in, in ministry and that's keep the main thing, the main thing. Mm-hmm. And what had happened was he was losing track of that. The main thing is the food and yeah. the passion for creating it and seeing people, uh, enjoy it and connect with it. Right. And so that once he started to get that right, mm-hmm things began to roll where he could now focus on the relationship aspect. So now he could start thinking about his relationship with Martin. He could start thinking about his relationship with his son, which was the most important part with Percy. Right. 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 And really what he was sacrificing by striving too much. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, it was able to fall in place when he stopped striving. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. Yeah. Well, and, and I think too, you see, I mean, I think one of the things that connects me to this, too, is is the three main areas that I would say men and not just men, but probably men and women, too, would would 
gauge themselves on their success. Like, how am I doing with my marriage? How am I doing with my kids? How am I doing with my job? And and I think this was almost like the trifecta, the hat trick, whatever you want to call it, where he's already failed in his marriage. He feels like he's failing with the parenting as a father, and now he's going to fail in his job. I mean, what what more is there for him? He probably feels like I can't, I just can't keep, keep doing it. So yeah, I think you're, and that striving piece is so huge. I mean, I I think, um, I always talk about the, the duck, you know, that that when you look at a duck, it looks so serene on, on the water and you know that underneath the water, the, the things are paddling like crazy. Right. And, and I think that's Absolutely. how so, so many of us look that way. Like we, we try to put, play ourselves off as, Hey, I'm really calm and serene, but underneath the surface, like we're paddling like crazy and, and <laughs> we don't want anyone to see it. Yet, um, yet we need to come to that place where we just say, you know what, I, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep putting on this show. I can't keep pretending. I can't keep spinning my wheels and feeling like I'm going nowhere. I've got to have some movement that's happening here. So, a hundred percent. And I think pretty much everybody on the face of the planet should admit to that at some point. And the thing is. There's a difference between drive and strive, right? Mm-hmm. And being driven, there's nothing wrong with that. It's when we try try to strive past what we're able to do, past our limits, and in you know make something happen instead of um, you know team is so important. Mm-hmm. Team is important. Team yeah. is important in what you and I do. It's mm-hmm. the part of the discipleship. It's part of any business you're going to create, anything that you're going to do that's meaningful. You got to have team, and that's what I love about sports. I know you're a sports fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know in many Industry, it's so good to have a keen understanding of sports because you realize that when you look at the greater body of the church, of, of church and leadership, it's it's not that any one person is more important than the other. Obviously, you have to have those who lead more visibly or audibly out front. But the thing is, is, you know, I, I always talk about football. I'm like, you know, the place kicker is just as important as the quarterback in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like you know what I mean? When oh, it yeah. comes down to when it comes down to it, you may not see that person on the field as much, but you know, how many times have we seen games where it's won by that one point or the field goal or who knows what, right? Yes. And a kick placement of the ball. It sounds crazy. I'm using that example, but you know, where where does the punt go? You know, all these kinds of things. So roles within the team and and, and who's holding that ball and all those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Every every person matters who is a part of a team. And when you operate out of the whole, you know, you just, you have a better, uh, you have better success. You have a better Mm -hmm. success rate. And that's the brilliance of, I know you're a big Patriots fan, and that's, that's the brilliance of um, the kind of teams that Bill Belichick has created. And I'm kind of excited because with Joe Judge being in New York, I, I really love that coaches team mentality and I've been wanting that for so long so personally it makes me excited so you know those kinds of things are so key that's how I coach and um, you know I, I, I think that for his character Carl he learns to in a um, confident way once he's stripped down of everything to start leaning on people mm-hmm. start leaning on those around him 
uh, to lead them, but to lean. And and that's when he got to that place where he starts handing it off. All of a sudden, his son's making the sandwiches. Yep. All of a sudden, he's relying on, you know, Martin is helping him, and they're, they're carrying that aspect. Because once they can do that, then he can vision, okay, we need to do this. Oh, we should go here. And, you know, and it frees you up to start. What he loves the most about this business mm-hmm. is actually connecting with people. Yep. It's about the people. Right. And... You know, and and so that's a great part of the story. And I love that you put you put in a really good um, point here. And I'm trying to just pull it up. Give me one second. Um, you know, you talked about um, how do we measure success, mm-hmm. right? Um, how do you think? That's a, it's a great question. How do you think Carl measured success from the beginning to the point where we get towards towards you know where we're meeting the climactic part of the film? Well, and I, I, it's, you know, this is one of those questions that I think you, you wish for some backstory on a little bit because you don't know, like at the moment we come into this story, I think it's that, again, that existential questioning that Carl's at where he's beginning to question his metric because prior to this, I think metric was, am I getting good reviews on Yelp? Am I... Uh, is the restaurant packed out and you know do people like booked every night yeah do people like me all, all these questions that you know they're natural questions for us to ask I, I mean I get it but ultimately I think that when that becomes our metric then we start seeing some of that creativity get stripped away and get pulled away um, instead of saying okay I'm measuring like the impact here. And I, I mean, what you said before is still sticking with me too, in regards to the fact that here's this guy who's, who's got this incredible personality. He's rough around the edges. So I, I can appreciate him even more. We, he we gets both himself, can. we both can. Yeah. He gets <laughs> himself into big trouble by totally going off on the chef and it, you know, it goes viral and, and whatever, which I could totally see myself doing that same thing and being totally in trouble and, and, a video going viral of John doing something stupid. So I, I get that. I would, I would actually, sidebar, I would actually like to have a copy of that video. But anyway, <laughs> go ahead. There's probably one floating around and praise God that I didn't go to college in the time of the cell phone. <laughs> anyway, um, I think you think about the fact that Carl was was basically confined to the kitchen before. There was no interaction. I mean, now if you go to a good restaurant, a lot of times you'll see the chef come out and he'll interact with people throughout the night. But but that's only a portion of what he's doing. By by going into the food truck, he's his kitchen is the front counter basically. And so he's allowed to do both of the things that that make him feel like he's on purpose. Not just cook and make good food, but have these incredible interactions with people. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you. Thanks for coming. I hope you enjoy it. I mean, I just think that's, I think it also speaks to the fact that we shouldn't let other people confine us and say, oh, you can't do it that way. Because there may be another way that allows us to to kind of marry things together that are seemingly disconnected, like cooking and engaging with people in relationships. I think I think you're dead on there. And as you were telling that, I was thinking about how, you know, um, 
you, you're free to create, but at the same time, it's a, it's a balancing act. You also have your audience of people that you want to please. So it's it's learning how to marry pleasing people, but you're not just pleasing them and sacrificing, you know, who you are, right? So it's 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 a give and take. And I think Carl learned to walk the line of give and take. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to do something crazy outlandish and totally scrap the menu and do something totally weird and off the charts. But within what I've what I'm building, I can now continue to be creative and morph and and evolve and bring people with me instead of just slamming it in front of them. So you know, and that's often what happens I see in the church is they want to be relevant, they want to be creative, but instead what they do is they strip everything and then slam something new down people's throats before they're ready to digest it. Mm-hmm. And it's a really bad mistake instead of taking the work, the time, the the drudgery that it takes to build culture, to change things and to move in a direction. And I think that successful ministries, successful businesses um, that, that change kind of uh, how they do things um, successfully take the time and put in the work and do the work. And, you know, it's interesting because the critic who slammed him, and it's mm-hmm. so funny because oh, yes. it's... Um, it's uh, Oliver, Platt. Actor Oliver, again. Platt. Oliver Platt. Yep. Yeah. What I love is he continues to follow Carl. Yep. He's intrigued by what he's doing. And you have to understand they had a very large inflammatory Twitter feud. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, no publicity is bad publicity, I guess, if, if you're not in <laughs> ministry. So anyway, right. he, uh, he, he follows him because he's intrigued. And I think... He believes in him. At the end of the movie, you see that relationship reconciled. He invests in him and he believes in him. And really, I think he knew Carl had it in him the whole time. And yeah. he had to push him out there. And they and Carl realizes, you know what, this guy actually really had my back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the greatest li- one of the greatest lines in that scene too, John Leguizamo comes and he's like, I saw a lot of talking and nobody punching, you know, and something <laughs> along those lines. And that's right. And yeah. That's right. I, I mean, well, and, you know, you mentioned it before, Joel, the, the fact that we need to be so careful to not burn bridges. And you, you think about how that relationship comes full circle in the film, that here's a guy who who Carl just went totally off the rails with in this video, berating him, yelling at him, going, getting these video, like viral video. And, and yet at the end of it, he ends up being the guy who backs him to open up a restaurant again. And, um, I I have so many conversations with people about the fact that even in the midst of conflict, can we, can we navigate through the waters of conflict in such a way that at the end of it, we still maintain the relationships and bridges aren't burned? Now, hey, there are some times in life that no matter what you do, there are going to be burned bridges because of the nature of people, the nature of sin and all that stuff. But That's right. as, as far as it depends on us, can we keep at peace with people and maintain a relationship that will allow us in the future to, to work together um, in a way. I, I've, I mean, I could probably tell stories, I'm sure you could too, about relationships that started out contentious, but after 
really investing in them and praying through some of them. God's made beautiful things out of those relationships that if you had told me in the early, early moments of that, what they would end up looking like, I would have been like, you're, you're absolutely insane. There's no way that anything redemptive is going to come out of that. So yeah, uh, redemptive is such a great thing. We've been, we've been working through a seven part series called one another and it's learning how to, to, um, you know, love one another, admonish one another, uh, reconcile, you know, how to do that together as a fellowship and as a family and how we do that in our relationships. And, and, uh, we just kind of got on the tail end of that. And, you know, we do have these relationships. I can think of someone, well, there's several people, but I can think of someone in, in town here that, uh, really was causing a lot of trouble for me and I wasn't aware of it. And it was in, in a position I was when I was, uh, running, uh, the radio station and really uh, a lot of betrayal a lot of things happened mm. and what happened was was I kind of I let it slide I didn't actually react to it this person kind of stepped off the team himself and what had happened was I actually got asked to uh, lead music lead worship at their church it was a much larger church one evening and I was playing with the team and they just happened to be speaking on this topic of reconciling and, and, and wrestling with you know grievances you've brought before people the sin you've brought before people and uh, you know when I was done this guy comes up and standing on stage and he's got tears coming down his eyes and he's like I need to apologize to you Wow. I need to, I need to ask your forgiveness for this, this, and this. And I was just like, I mean, man, I looked at him. I'm like, dude, like, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hold anything against <laughs> you. And I mean, it was, it was bad. Like it was yeah. really bad. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I've had enough of those struggles that I just learned, man, these fights, the, these things are not coming just from people Yeah. like they're, they're bigger. And what I was happy with was his heart was wrestling with it. And so what's cool is, is we have a really good friendship that we've built again. And in fact, a few weeks ago, he was, uh, he was locked down and kind of reached out on media. Hey, I need this kind of media. He's kind of does media and sound stuff. He's mm -hmm. like, I need this cable cause we're locked down and I kind of want to run some video up, whatever. And I was like, Hey, I've got something you can use and, you know, ran it over and dropped it off. And, you know, there's this, we've had coffees and things. And, and so the point is, is, um, it at, at all possible, be a person of peace, right? Yeah. Be someone who can live yep. at peace with each other and we're going to mess up and I'm hot headed. You're hot headed. <laughs> we're hot blooded. You know, I mean, just we're, it, we've, we've got this thing and, and it's a very new England thing too. Right? Like, so, yeah. um, all that to say, speaking of which, I'm going to let you ask this question, but you threw one in there about culture and food. So oh, I, oh, I'm yeah. going to let you yeah. set this well, one I'm up. I'm glad. Yeah. Set it up because I, you know, I grew up with mostly English, Scottish, some Italian background. I'm pretty, I'm pretty white bread. Scottish. You know? So, um, there's not a Ate whole a lot, lot of haggis, of, did you? Oh yeah. Haggis. Yes, that's right. Um, but Joel, I was watching this movie and when, when the two of us talked about, hey, let's let's do this together and they started not only do you bring in the the, the Cuban sandwiches and the music, this like salsa music and stuff, I thought to myself, Oh my gosh, I have to I have to hear some words from Joel about, hey, like, what did this feel like for you to, and I know your background's Puerto Rican, it's not Cuban, but, but the Latin American. They're, of, they're very similar. They're the two okay. closest and, and maybe Dominican as well. So, okay. 
Yeah. Uh, so how, I mean, ball players yeah, too, how right? did, <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah. So how um, did you connect to this and with the food, with the music and, and your upbringing, was it like nostalgic for you to watch and hear some of this stuff? And well, a few things we had just probably only been here a year and a half, two years in, in Fredericton. Okay. So first of all, we were yearning for that food oh, and, and there was a nostalgia of being, you know, we had just come from Arizona. Mm-hmm. We had lived in Georgia, you know, there's great Mexican, Puerto Rican, Cuban food, all that kind of stuff. And there's great Puerto Rican food in, in New England because there's so many Puerto Ricans there. But the, the thing is, we definitely, I keep that food as part of our culture. Uh, Charlotte does. She actually makes great Cuban sandwiches. If we could get all the materials here all the time, we could have a good food truck. Oh, man. But uh, we always we always have things on our list like empanadas, all this different stuff that we make. We're like, man, we could kill it, but it's a lot of work. So the thing is, is um, yeah, as we were watching it, we were just thinking, you know, food for everybody, food for everybody connects with uh, relationships, time periods in your life, the smells. You asked a question. Does anybody? I was kind of cheeky with my response to you online, but you asked us <laughs> that are there smells that trigger certain memories there are smells that trigger certain memories in places in time right so basically um for me i just was thinking of my family i was thinking of my grandmother's kitchen i was thinking of you know this place called the rainbow it's a restaurant in bridgeport connecticut and how we would go there sometimes after church i was thinking about loud family talking and fellowship and you know people we had over and the smells the savory smells and and just yeah the music the everything i mean i was transported almost to like you know summer barbecues and things Mm -hmm. like that right so it 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 really was something that for me was impacting but it also you know we knew that we had kind of left a life behind and really Mm kind of went to a to a place where um we had to be really obedient to God calling us to because we were saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to lay some of that stuff down. So when we saw it, there were a lot of thoughts like that, that crossed both of our minds. And, mm. and to this day, it's one that, uh, you know, I'm proud of heritage and, and you know, it's like, yep, that's, that's my people's food. Right. <laughs> and oh, then yeah. there's, you know, and, and then there's other moments where you realize so many people love it. Like, it, you know, it's the great, Someone, uh, a lot of musicians often say music is the great equalizer because no matter mm-hmm. what language you speak, you can understand what they're trying to communicate or say, especially instrumental things. And um, but I think food is the same way. Oh, great. like completely, it, it brings yep. people together and and heals a lot of people. And maybe maybe people, especially back in the states, who are so at odds with each other, maybe they just need to sit down and eat a lot of good food together. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny that you say that too, because Michael Frost, who's a, a guy that I I read a lot of and follow on on social media and stuff one of the things he has said is that the table is the great equalizer and when you look at Jesus so many times within the gospels Jesus is meeting people not in church he's meeting them at the table he's sitting down and having a meal with them I mean that's what he did with the disciples that's what he did with you know Zacchaeus this tax collector Jesus got criticized because of the people that he was eating with but but there's something to be said about what happens when we sit down at a table, it it, it almost seems like some of the pretenses just fall away and allow us to really um, just engage with one another. And I, you know, although I didn't have any crazy ethnic food, I do think about like some of the greatest memories I have growing up with my extended family beyond mom, dad, brother, 
were in these holidays where we had this huge spread of food and we would just come to the table. So um, that, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, listen, that crosses everywhere. I mean, it could be as simple as, you know, we have burgers and dogs all the time, too. I mean, you know, just inviting people to be part of your community and your life. You know, the mm-hmm. neighborhood I grew up in, and I think our neighborhoods were more like this, but my parents always had people over. If the barbecue was going, the pool was on, you know, the yeah. filter was going, like, everybody come over. And people used to wander into the yard. We had, you know, it, it's things you take for granted now because we live in a more connected society than ever, but we are more uh, siloed and and um, you know we put more walls up than we ever have too. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. and so it's it's sad and and it's definitely infiltrating in the church. We've forgotten how to fellowship, mm-hmm. We've forgotten how to fellowship, and and you know I joke. You grew up in this era too. I always joke. I'm like, ooh, we got a potluck. Where's the Jello molds? <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I used to go around and see who had all the different Jello molds, who made the best one. But yep. you know, yeah. the thing is, is food is the great equalizer, and everybody can relate to that. And I think that um, it's exciting to try new things. You know, that's the mm-hmm. other thing is is try something new, try something different. So as we land, as we as we get towards landing the plane on this, um, the relationship between Casper and his son Percy kind of comes full circle. Uh, Casper realizes that he could not have done this, not mm-hmm. only with these people in his life, but nobody would know about it if it wasn't for his son, because his son the entire time was doing all of his social media and he had no idea what that even was. Right, the power right. of reaching people. And so they were lining up when they would pull up somewhere, you know, the food truck's going to be in town here, right? What did they call their truck? I forget off the top. El Jefe. El Jefe. El Jefe. Right? That's right. Yeah. Duh. Because 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 that's what Martin always called them. Jefe, right? right. The boss. Right. Yep. So El Jefe, he, 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 they know they're coming to town and people would be lined up around the block and they'd be like, Oh man, we got to go find food. <laughs> yeah, we got to get supplies, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think even when you bring that up, one of the things that jumps out to me is Percy. Uh, Percy is so resilient, as kids so often are. And John Favreau's character, Carl, he, he's got this tension in him with like I'm failing as a father. Like there's no way to redeem it. And I, I don't know about you, Joel, but there have been plenty of times just this week, probably that I felt, felt like I failed as a father. And yet our kids are so resilient, which isn't, doesn't give us pass to say, Hey, okay, do whatever the heck you want. Screw them up and mess, mess with their heads. But knowing that, hey, when we inevitably mess up, like our kids are pretty willing to just be super accommodating to us and still love us, even though we've we've messed up. And we see that with Percy that like all he wants is for his dad. And like for me, one of the most powerful moments is only like 20 minutes into the film when they're they're working on this stuff together on that social media and and Percy says, "Hey, I think it's kind of cool us doing this just just hanging out." And Carl's like, "Wait, we hang out all the time." But but Percy's like, "Yeah, but like we're doing something together and we're doing something with a purpose instead of, hey, let's go out and go bowling. Hey, let's go out and do this. For me, some of the times that I've connected most with my own kids have been those moments that there's, they're not, they're organic moments. They're moments that we didn't plan. Like we just hopped in the car and we went to, you know, Goodwill or went to a store or something. And in the midst of it, 
something erupts in a good way, not in a bad way, but like something emerges out of it. And you say, wow, I couldn't have planned that if I had had all the resources in the world because it just kind of happened naturally. And that's what's to me is such a beautiful picture. You said it before that one of the things that that really distinguishes this film is that it's real life like there's no neat little bows and everything's perfect but you see kind of the raw relationship here but you also see the organic possibilities that emerge when um, when a father and son just do something together not contrived not curated but um, but done together with purpose over something so simple that um, that allows them to find a relationship that it's been there all along. You said that before about what what um, Michelle, the the critic, finds in in uh, Carl. I think that's kind of a theme here in that sometimes the things that we're looking for have been there all along. We just need someone else to help us see that they're there. And I think Carl experiences that not only with with um, Oliver Platt's character, but also with also with um, his son, Percy, who says, hey, guess what? Um, uh, there's something more here. Don't write yourself off as a bad dad yet. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and I think the, a lot of great nuggets in what you've just said, and I'm kind of taking it in, aren't so many of the best moments we had with our dads or our parents, like just a lot of the random things. Right. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Yep. Or just, just hanging. And uh, I, I really try to be present in creating those moments or allowing them to happen sometimes i think i'm not doing enough i haven't given them enough experiences i'm not doing this but i'll tell you what man and and this is in no way speaking down to anyone but i think when we over activity our kids when we overact put them in everything constantly 24 7 you're actually missing the moments of they just kind of want to hang out with you right yeah just kind of want to hang out like yeah. i'll hold the wrench and you fix the thing like they just want to hang yeah. and it's important to walk that balance just like we talked about he realized the balance between uh pleasing and creating right and and the part that hit me is when he realized his son was making a collection of their time together that entire oh. summer and yes. shows it to him Yes. You know, and yep. and so what was in there? Was it big fancy things? Was it stuff he bought him? Was it all these amusement parks he took him to? No, it was you and me together. All the things that happened. Yep. And 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 his son is saying, I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I see it. Yep. And that's where he has to turn around and be like, I see you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. dude, that's just it's just killer because that's that's what we want. And right. you know, I think we, we long for that for our, from our heavenly father who already says you're already valued you're already cherished you are uh, you are a son and a daughter right and um i'm already well pleased like we want to hear that i'm well pleased and and that's so important in our relationships right i think that's the kind of relationships we need to have with with god that's the kind of relationships we need to have with each other mm-hmm. yeah oh well and i think you know kind of takeaways from this 
as far as even, hey, what do, what do we do? One of the things I ask myself and even the church that I lead is what do we do with all this? I think to those last kind of points about building these relationships with our kids and and the whole idea of, of what happens around the table, the equalizer and of food and, and tables together, like just the importance of sharing meals together with one another, like, and you, you use a great word, present. I think when we're, I, I've heard so many families who say when we sit down at the dinner table, we, we lock up our cell phones or whatever so there are no distractions because yeah, I've seen plenty of people sitting down to a meal and, and no one's paying attention to each other because they're all looking at their phones. So, but yeah, what does it look like for us to actually sit down with an intentional time together with the people that we love over a meal of equalization and really saying, hey, there's nothing fancy here. It could be hot dogs and, you know, French fries or whatever, but there's something that happens there that when we look back at it years from now, we may find out, yeah, it wasn't these contrived moments. It wasn't the over planning moments. It was actually these moments where we actually stopped to breathe and enjoyed one another and were, were really not just physically present, but mentally present with one another that made the most impact on me and are most significant in my memories. Yeah, and that's and that's a really a, gr- a great place to leave it. So a lot of great themes from this story. Uh, I think uh, practically, uh, spiritually speaking, uh, and 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 I would leave this final point is if you are someone who is inherently creative, who who just is a pioneer, um, I would encourage you that drive is good, but strive is not. Mm-hmm. Drive, don't strive. You know what I mean. Yeah, so don't good. do it yep. yourself. Don't do it yourself, right? And uh, and remember the power of community. Like we are not meant to do things alone. We are meant to do them um, with with help. You know, uh, uh, not to dive into this, and not that we're going to segue into it. But I think of the Lord of the Rings story. You know, really, the hero of the heroes and all of it is Samwise Gamgee because if he wasn't with Frodo. <laughs> right. I, he's literally the reason why he accomplished the task, right? And you're like, who's this insignificant gardener guy who cares, <laughs> who's semi-annoying? Yep. But, you know, um, yeah, we all need the, that kind of person in our life, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, well, John, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to the next one. I think, uh, I think we kind of decided what we're going to talk about next, haven't we? Yeah, I think we, did we, did we? Yeah, we said we were going to do Garden State and Elizabethtown, right? Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. So I think it's good to dive into, um, you know, kind of where we're going with these stories is looking at uh, continuing to look into these unique uh, relationships. I think I think a lot of us are trying to find who we are. A lot of us mm-hmm. are trying to find purpose in who we are and what we do, um, and. I think these stories that we're going to dive into show that um, it's not just relationships that satisfy or fulfill. It's not just the career that satisfies or fulfills. It's there, there's a whole collective of of pieces that are in place. But more importantly, is realizing that you are valued, that you are cherished, that you are loved. Right? And absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, actually, I think yeah, I, so I look forward to that. I think I misspoke. I think we're doing McFarland next, and then we're we're going to those other ones. 
That's right. So we do have a plan, though. We do have a yes, plan. We're going to hit we up. Do Mc, have a we're going to hit up McFarland USA because uh, we thought jumping off of this, uh, it's a great story. Uh, Kevin Costner, and uh, it's a true story of a Mexican American racing team out of California, and uh, I'm really excited to dive into that story. More food in that too, uh, and then we are gonna we're gonna look at this back to back with Garden State and Elizabethtown, and again. Same thing. It's about the the struggle of relationships. I mean, relationships is what makes life. Learning from adversity makes life worth it. And uh, you know what? If you're struggling today, everyone does. It doesn't mm-hmm. make your pain or your struggle less in your context. But you know, that's that's a that's a problem of humanity. We we struggle. We feel less than. We we question our value. We question our worth. But. Um, I want to encourage you and leave you with this, that that uh, God says you are highly valued and, and favored and that he loves you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. And now you kind of know a little bit of a roadmap for where we're going in the future. So I hope you'll join us next time as we look deeper and see what we find between the frames. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Between the Frames with John and Joel. If you like what you've heard today, please remember to click subscribe and give a share and a follow on social media. Each episode will look to dive into the deeper meanings behind movies, music, and culture as it relates to life and faith. Thanks for listening and see you next time.